Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson. From the athletic, it is USC week. A little bit of the luster lost by Notre Dame's thirty-three to twenty loss to Louisville last week, but it is Notre Dame USC playing for the ninety-fourth time. Notre Dame has had how many in a row have they won at home, Tim? Against USC, they've won. Uh, a well, they lost in two thousand eleven, so that would be five. They've won every one since. Okay. Yep. Five in a row. Five in a row, and um, they might yeah. have lost twice in two thousand eleven if you want to count it that way. But I think it's still five. That would be. Yeah. You know, uh, again, lost the luster a little bit, but uh, I, I made a comment today's uh, Thursday thoughts that Notre Dame should feel like they're going to win, and a lot of people don't feel the same as I do about that. I'm not asking the fans to feel good about winning, but Notre Dame should. They're just a few weeks removed from going head-to-head with Ohio State, and Ohio State's defense is a lot better than USC's. I get what's happened the last couple of weeks and some of the some of the uh, the glow on the season, a lot of the glow on the season has gone here. But a great opportunity for Notre Dame to get back on the horse, move to six and two, and then uh, have a shot at finishing out with a ten and two record. But one step at a time, guys. Uh, the point spread on this surprising for a lot of people is that Notre Dame is a two and a half point favorite. The over under is sixty and a half. Just some general thoughts. And by the way, we uh, for everybody we spoke to Marcus Freeman at noon today, and we'll discuss that a little bit as well. I remember the old theory I used to have when we're doing our predictions that never change your bet that you would have had two weeks prior just because you saw Notre Dame play. Well, it failed spectacularly last week because uh, I was not going to change from Louisville losing to Notre Dame in the line of scrimmage and they lost spectacularly in the line of scrimmage. However, uh, Notre Dame was favored over USC coming into the Louisville loss, the Louisville debacle. Vegas knows a lot more about how a team plays over 12 weeks than fans that are dedicated to one team do. Um. Every metric and everybody using metrics and analytics looks at Notre Dame winning this game. I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan right now, it is hard to say Notre Dame is going to win the game over 60 minutes because one team has Caleb Williams and the other one has an offensive line that's failing a little bit. And as the game progresses, you better have that offensive line play better than they have the last eight quarters if you're going to keep up with Caleb Williams, who eventually will make your defense break no matter how well they play for 45 or 50 minutes. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot about this game that you you can talk yourself into Notre Dame, and I, I think it would be easier to do if they hadn't had three consecutive, like, really anemic offensive performances. Um, that's I think it's been that's two, a trend. I know, I know so. we disagree on that. I, I think it's been two, but I get your point because they scored 14 points. So they scored 14 points. Right. Um, you know, there are different reasons for that, but if you score six touchdowns in three games, that's, that's that funny. makes it feel very ominous when you're going against a team where you probably are going to have to score five. Um, and that's that, that's why I think the, the line surprises me a little bit, but then it's like you watch USC and you're like, wait a minute. Um, it does feel like sort of a luck runs out situation if you're USC, which Tim, I think you, you kind of put in your Thursday thoughts today. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, when it comes to USC's defense, I, I can't emphasize enough how bad they look at times trying to tackle. They've had 49 missed tackles. Now missed tackles are 
a little bit subjective. They miss tackles in every way imaginable. You know, they 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 dive at the feet of a of a runner, and it's just like, oh well, if we don't if we don't disrupt him a little bit, so be it. They miss straight up. They miss straight up head on tackle opportunities. Um, and, and so this is a great opportunity for Notre Dame. And, and I, if Notre Dame can be they're in midterm exams, they've had to go to the wall a couple times, a couple weeks in a row, a few weeks in a row. Um, but I, I, you know, I think Notre Dame, when, when they prepare for USC should feel like, you know what, this is a game that we're going to win. And I think they have a much better, a, a much better perspective on how to deal with Caleb Williams, not perspective and execution with a guy like Caleb Williams is two different things. I, I want you guys to cut me off on this 45 second tangent about midterms and being tired. Okay. For all of our lives on a message board, people will say, well, the buy is coming at a really good time. They really need their rest. The one time the buy doesn't come at a good time. Everybody says it's a horrible excuse. Who cares if you're tired? How are you tired? Everybody plays five games in a row. Notre Dame is tired. If you call them weak for being tired, that's fine. That makes it a reason instead of an excuse. Notre Dame is tired trying to play football. If you want to blame them for it, good, but they are tired. And number two, we talked to a couple coaches recently. One of them who said, this is not a current Notre Dame coach. One of them who said, I had a starter ask me not to play during the week of midterms because he was so mentally tired. A starter wanted to not play a, a great because starter. he was so tired during midterms. A great starter, mm. by the way. Um, yes. So let's not pretend they're not human. You can call them weak. You can say anything you want, but it does exist when the football game is played. I don't disagree with that. Um, I, but I don't. I think that I mean, the you should play thing if you're tired. Real. I get that. Yeah, like <laughs> to me, play. like the midterms thing is real. The eight games in a row, I think, is like this clutching at straws excuse for what's happening right now. Notre Dame has played eight games in a row a lot. It's not always the first eight games. Sometimes it's the last eight games. Um, in 2012, they played eight games in a row. 2021, they played eight games in a row. Like that, that shouldn't have um, the big impact that people think that it does. But midterms this week does. So I'm if if you said Notre Dame's exhausted because of midterms, I buy it. If you say it's eight games in a row, I do not. Yeah, I think I think the performance against Louisville is more of just a a letdown performance after going to the wall the two previous weeks. I don't yeah. Yeah. I mean, necessarily if I play Virginia say, without Brennan Armstrong and Wake right. Forest eight games in a row, I think Notre right. would kill them right well, now. Look how USC played against Arizona yeah. last week. And I get by the way, look take a look at Arizona because they they are suffering some really tough close losses and they're playing some really some pretty good football. So you know they came to play and USC didn't and Notre Dame and Louisville came to play and Notre Dame didn't. So that's uh that's just where we are. We did talk to Marcus Freeman earlier here. We didn't we didn't specify any of the injuries. I don't think that we have any reason to believe that there's anything further. I take it back. Somebody asked about Estime because he was limping around uh, Marcus Freeman at the end of the, the Louisville game. Marcus Freeman kind of downplayed it, said that, you know, what he goes through on a weekly basis, of course, he's not 100% this week, but he's ready to go. The, the uh, you know, I think the two key ones, again, are the two Jadens at wide receiver, Thomas and Greathouse, because they greatly need those two guys in the mix. But we know that Jordan Faison's in the game plan right from the outset, right? There shouldn't be any reason <laughs> for uh, for the uh, scholarship wide receiver wearing number 80 uh, to you know, to be in, the, be in the mix right from the start. Yeah, 
uh, there could be an issue. I, I don't know if that'll happen. You know, I thought it was interesting. We talked to Jared Parker, and I think it went in John Bryce's story. Bazon is a slot receiver. One of their healthy players is a slot receiver, Chris Tyree. One of the returning players is a slot receiver, Jaden Greathouse. One of the guys they like to sub in, much to Pete Sampson's chagrin, is the tight end that takes out the slot receiver because you'd like to see the slot receiver perhaps stay in once in a while when that happens, Pete. That's a lot of slot guys. That's a lot of spots. So that is one way Faison wouldn't play. I think they owe it to themselves to see what Faison can do because they, I, I mean, great. maybe Greathouse is fine and then everything's cool because we like Greathouse. I think Faison could help Chris Tyree. I think he has yeah. wide receiver skills that Chris Tyree Chris might Tyree's have. flexible enough to move outside, which he has. Great that house. was the point. Tyree could go outside, right. maybe Great House right. can go Well, outside. Great House yeah. can too, you know. I, I think, I mean, it's it's a valid point on your part, but I think sometimes we overplay that because they could be practicing in different positions during the week as, we, as we're talking about it. Yeah, it's like I would like to see Faison more too, but I don't. I don't agree with sort of the the sentiment that like not targeting the rest of the game was like a strategic mistake because um, we have no idea what he knew in last week's game plan. But he, he could have run the play in. that Tyree dropped because it's the same play that he yeah. caught the touchdown on. He but was that's... not in on four combined third and longs and a fourth and long. Yeah, he could have probably helped there instead of splitting estimate wide is, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's like I don't know if they have like a true four wide in the playbook, you know, like. It's it's like having the Mike linebacker still be in on dime. Um, I don't know why that is, but I would I would be shocked if they have a whole lot of like reps of like, hey, we actually have four legitimate wide receivers on the field at the same time. We've been talking about like uh, the, the phrase that we've been using since Monday's podcast was, or I guess since the game on Saturday was, uh, offensive line rotation or offensive guard rotation. Tim, you talked about it. Uh, earlier this week about you don't think that there will be a, any kind of rotation in listening to Marcus Freeman talk about it. I think he left the door open for Billy Shrouth to get a series or two, maybe a series on one side and a series on the other side. I didn't take it that way as much as if you don't play well, Shrouth is coming in. Well, okay, sure. I, I like that. I think that idea is fine because I think sure. you should play well, otherwise you should be replaced. <laughs> but I, so look, an offensive line rotation, if you wanted to debut it this week, is better than debuting it last week in Louisville when you had communication issues for the last two weeks playing football. I mean, that was weird. It, an offensive line rotation at home is better than offensive line rotation on the road at Louisville. An offensive line rotation versus CMU and TSU and Navy is better than one at Louisville. And I think an offensive line rotation against USC is better than one at Louisville. Yeah, I I, I kind of took... hope they're not rotating though. I I'd like to see oh, who God. wins the job and they play. Yeah, maybe yeah, rotating. That's what happy. practice is for. To figure out what your best five is, and then you roll with that on the game day. Like they staged a game day tryout at Louisville. Well, um, Harry Heastan, Harry Heastan played six at times. I mean, what why why would that be? Because it wasn't I mean, on I the road. He, they they went into the no, season no, no, with a no, plan. No, look, like not, that was a I'm, grab bag situation talking, last week. I'm talking about this week. I'm not I'm not arguing for that for last week. I'm not not at all. But I guess like the 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 fact that they did it in 2017 I don't think has anything to do with doing it last week. I think right? they were doing it last I'm week. I'm not talking about last week. Bad. I'm not talking about last week. Okay, 
I think you're worried. I'm worried that they're doing it when guys aren't good enough, as opposed to these guys both really deserve to play in 2017 because they can bring something to the table at right tackle. Yeah. Whereas now they're like, well, gosh, everything's going wrong. So you think they're rotating because they think it makes them better or they're trying to mitigate loss? I, I think that Billy Shrouth can play because the other two guards aren't so good that, yeah, that Billy Shrouth won't make, I think Billy Shrouth will make a significant contribution when he's in there. If one guy is struggling, put him in. I look, I'm not, I don't, I'm not looking for a rotation. I'm just saying we all thought that Billy Shrouth was going to be the starter before the season. If he's good enough right now to compete with the other two, to get a series here or a series there. I, 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 I don't, I don't see what's wrong with doing that. I, I realize it's a little bit disruptive. I may be kind of contradicting myself here because, you know, I'm talking more about this week than last week, although we wouldn't be talking about this week and inserting a guy if last week hadn't happened. Right. Yeah. I, I just like, I if, if you're going to, I agree with you on Shrouth that he's good enough to help you, but I, I would prefer it if they're like, if he's good enough to help us, then start him. That's how I feel. I feel like you figure out who's your best five and you start your starting lineup this week. Yeah. Um, and obviously if things go incredibly south, then you have a backup guard. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it just feel it felt like if they do it again this week, I think it will feel like it did last week. It's kind of it's a, a, a more of a panic move than like a strategic rotation. Anything else from uh, Marcus Freeman's 10 minutes and 45 seconds that we spent with him? I mean, we talked about the, the the whole wet ball. I find the I find that USC's preparation for the 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 weather at in, in South Bend with this little little spray gun with the punt returners. You need a fire. You need a damn fire hose is what you need. Not this little. Well, it just has to be really cold, right? Exactly. I just it, what isn't it a little comical what how USC yes, is trying to prepare for that. Yeah. Feels very dainty. It, <laughs> it just, it just. I saw it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you really think? I guess it's better than nothing, but I'm not sure. I would find it a lot more dainty and comical if it was Sam Darnold instead of Caleb Williams, because that's a problem yeah. right there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the the what you need is a freezing cold ball that comes out of a freezer, and you try to hand that off to somebody and see if that works. Because it's just going to be, what can you blow freezing cold air on people in Southern California practice? That's tough to do too. It it's going to be cold at night. It's going to be a cold night out there because if oh, it rains all day seven. and stops, it's just raw. Raining no. all day and stopping in South Bend is now, very. It doesn't raw. sound like it's going to be as windy as they were originally saying, but they're still saying ten to twenty. They were saying in the you know thirty mile an hour winds. That would really disturb things for USC. Either, either way, I think that I think the conditions aren't aren't great for USC and are a factor. How much of a factor? You know, that, that's for others to determine the percentage, yeah. I guess. I was I was wondering because USC can run the ball well, but Tim, you make a great point. Like, okay, USC can run the ball well, and hopefully Notre Dame can too. But we all know USC can pass the ball well. So bad wind and bad cold and bad weather definitely hurts USC. No, no I, I can't talk and myself we, into that, but like. Yeah, we all love Mar. They I, can certainly Mar run. Marshawn Lloyd is really good, man. Really good. Jawar Jordan was really good. Audric Estime is really good. Marshawn Lloyd is a cut above here that Nordame is going. And, I and Nordame, kind of agree with you. Nordame was fortunate with him not playing for South Carolina last year. Irish Illustrated Insider is pre presented by Underdog Sports. 
We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog using the promo code and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked them out, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go to the app, pick what whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, if Travis Kelsey's number is set at 50 yards and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to be way higher than that number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in the business. If you go five for five, you can multiply your money times 20. So sign up today with promo code IRISH and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code IRISH to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. There are a lot of fantasy companies out there, but we decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. You must be 18 and, and older or and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. Welcome back to segment two, Burning Out the Boards. Our first question is from Jack Mac 99 Las Vegas has Notre Dame as a three-point favorite. What do they know that we don't? Um... I mean, uh, there are a bunch of factors involved. I, I we, we do have to take into consideration that, I mean, USC could have lost last week, turned a 27-point lead into uh, having to recover an onside kick against Colorado. Last week was the Arizona game. Uh, they were winning by six points midway through the third quarter to at Arizona State. Arizona State's one and five. I mean, you do have to look at the opponent sometimes. and. Uh, and in this case, and we and we know we know the issues that USC has on defense. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look at USC offensively, no, it's a, it's it's pretty scary. Number one in the country, by the way, the three uh, the top three scoring teams in the country are uh, USC, Oregon, and Washington. The pack the Pac twelve is scoring points 
once again this year. But uh, I, look, there's there there are a lot of reasons, and which is why I say Notre Dame, if they can if they can get their head straight again and and uh, you know um, take an honest look at what USC has to offer, Notre Dame can win this game. That's why they're favored. And I, you know, it's like I I like many of the matchups for Notre Dame in this game too. Like we've talked about this all year. Like Notre Dame is built to stop a passing team in a way that they frankly haven't been for much of the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Like Notre Dame doesn't have the Harper, Hart, Morrison combination of corners slash nickel very often. So, you know, Xavier Watts is playing well. Like I certainly teams are going to try to isolate DJ Brown or Ramon Henderson or whatever the extra safety, whoever the extra safety is out there, but it's a good, it's a good defense to try to get after Caleb Williams. Um, you know, they had something similar last year until Tariq Bracey did his hamstring during the week. But um, if they're, if Notre Dame's secondary is fully healthy on Saturday, like that should be in Notre Dame's favor. Yeah. I think main thing for Vegas is their models for betting and wagering and putting point spreads out there. Don't contain the two most important elements that Notre Dame fans and all college football fans use would be emotion and belief. Cause that has nothing to do with anything. Um, I think Notre Dame, yes, Notre Dame has plenty of ways to win this game. Um, if Notre Dame's offensive line is anything like the Ohio State game, I think Notre Dame will win the game. If it's not, I can't see Notre Dame finding a way to win the game. So this all comes into what, for me, I, we can fast forward to the end of this thing. For me, it all comes to the offensive line. Notre Dame has many chances to win it, but zero if the offensive line isn't good. And that and is one thing like that gives me a lot of pause about the offensive line and how it played at USC last year. Cause it was not good. You know, they could, they could not move the ball in short yardage on the ground. That's like where Mitchell Palooza got stopped for the first time. Uh, I think they finished that game with they averaged 3.5 yards per carry against USC who averaged about giving up five yards per carry for the course of the season. So it's like USC's defense was real bad last year and Notre Dame did not do enough to take advantage of it on the ground. They have to do enough to take advantage of on the ground on Saturday. Well, it was my understanding last year that USC changed some things up with their blocking schemes and Notre Dame didn't adjust to that very well. Um, I do know that they have USC now has Bear Alexander in the middle of their defensive line, and that is yeah. a huge concern against Notre Dame, Notre Dame's interior offensive line. Uh, Jack Mac 99, you are a subscriber. I think that's where I got that question from. You are. I would recommend reading Trojan Assets and Irish Inroads from yesterday. It talks about all the areas where we think Notre Dame can make inroads, but also, also while also addressing the obvious strengths that USC has on defense. One more thing, and this should probably go to the end again. Remember we talked about the edge rushers for Louisville and how you should be concerned that Gelate had 26 pressures and Heron had 21 pressures. Well, Solomon Bird has 23. Jamil Muhammad is 21 and Bear Alexander has 18. So as bad as they are, there is some boom and bust potential here. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, yeah, no, they, I mean, they, they can make big plays that make up for the obvious shortcomings they have fundamentally as a defense. And I, and I'm glad you brought up bird and Muhammad because they absolutely do put pressure on the quarterback. They also uh, bird, especially, doesn't give a damn about holding the edge. 
Yeah, so, <laughs> no, and sometimes that's great. That does nine yard run for Notre Dame, but does, third and nine. <laughs> just does not care about if the coaches are saying, Solomon, you got to hold the edge. He isn't hearing it, man. He isn't hearing it. He's, he's got he's got a job for the NFL later on, huh? Exactly. He's coming off the edge. <laughs> that is exactly right. Exactly right. Question from MMB4. With the forecast of rain Saturday, will USC load the box in anticipation of the Irish wanting to run the ball? Will the result versus USC be any different than Louisville? Yeah, this is a good question. I, I wish I hadn't brought it up in the first segment. Uh, my concern for Notre, for picking Notre Dame is that USC can run the ball very, very well. So if it gets sloppy, USC can run the ball too. And I want to see if Notre Dame can run the ball at the line. Um, I think every defense will load the box and see if Sam Hartman's receivers can get open consistently to score touchdowns and beat them. Because you know what? If Jaden Thomas gets open for one 30-yard game, they still got to go 50 more yards. Yeah, Notre Dame's ability to hit chunk plays in the past game has been a disaster uh, the last three games. And I you can talk about like the Ohio state plan being intentional and what, but like they cannot push the ball down the field. And that is, you have, you need chunk plays to beat USC. Uh, They've hit, I think that should have the stats in front of me. I tracked sort of passes of 20 yards or more, but like Sam Hartman, I think is two of 16 in the last three games on passes of an excess of 20 yards. Like that's, that's that's a concerning trend, regardless of what your game plan is. And, and so Pete and Tim, I looked this up a couple of days ago, not on my breakfast table, but I think USC, there's a, is there 130 teams? They're 128 right now. I think it's 133. Okay, 131. All right, well, they are 130th, I believe. Could be 129th in explosive plays given up. So you have to have explosive plays to beat USC because that's how everybody's moving the ball on them. You have to have explosive plays because they're giving them to you. You've got to find a way to get them. So if Notre Dame can get that going... There's their chance. There's there's a good chance for Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame should be able to score points against USC. We keep I, I agree. USC. I just I I'm shocked. You think about like how good Sam Hartman was throwing the deep ball in the first four games of the season, or another way to look at it, right up until he got rolled um, against oh, yeah. Central Michigan. He just has not been the same pushing the ball vertically ever since. And yeah, it's it's two of I'm sorry, two of fourteen for. 64 yards like that's still that's good. alarming to me yeah and you and usc is like they're in the bottom 10 percent of every uh long scrimmage play yeah, yeah no they, and they're and they're in the top percent of all the ones they get too they're yes, right. no exactly and so what what you guys are saying i mean and from this standpoint then it's weakness versus weakness nordame's you know downfield game against usc's inability to print and, and those are long scrimmage plays those aren't all passes so there's some there's some right. long runs in there right. too but that that's a that's a weakness versus weak you know we oftentimes we talk about strength versus strength who's going to win well a lot of times the game is decided by who wins the weakness versus weakness battle yeah. coming upon what it is to, to be fair notre dame and usc are actually pretty close in long scrimmage place it's just as pete pointed out they haven't they've came in an early chunk for notre dame yeah I think we're continually happening for USC. We were obviously we were completely wrong about Notre Dame winning the line of scrimmage against Louisville. So was everybody else that that I heard comment on that. Now, uh, you know, I know Josh Pay from twenty four seven picked Louisville, which is which was a great call. But I don't think he was was he talking about interior line play. He was talking about a quarterback matchup. Whatever. Uh, we were wrong about that. 
the Notre Dame coaching staff was absolutely convinced they were going to win the line of scrimmage. And they obviously were wrong about that as well. It'd be interesting to see if they're absolutely convinced they're going to win this line of scrimmage. Because because they didn't last year. I'm pointing it out because they did not last year. So that would be an interesting yeah. way of looking at it. Now, it's a different USC line. I don't, I don't mean to pretend that USC's line is going to carry over from last year to this. They have grad transfers coming in. And they still really haven't gelled. And I guess not that healthy. Anyway, Notre Dame should be able to handle the lines this week. We said that last week, too. So we'll, we'll just say it again, right? Just keep saying well, it until we see it happen. I mean, we're not, we're not going to... <laughs> We're going to evaluate the game yeah. that's at hand. That, that's exactly that's we, do. we were we were wrong last week. Question from Florida Irish seventy six. While play calling has been an issue the past couple of weeks, it seems as though Marcus Freeman has the ultimate say in what the offensive philosophy is. Does Freeman, a defensive minded coach who believes in trestle ball, need to take a step back from the offense and let whoever the OC is run the show? So the one issue I have with. Because fundamentally, I believe that you have to move away from the 2002 method and the 2012 Notre Dame method of running an offense. And I be- I felt the 2020 team for Notre Dame was absolutely 100% correct in how they ran an offense. It's why they got the chance to play Alabama in a playoff game rather than losing along the way. What does Marcus Freeman have to run a different style of offense right now on the perimeter? Doesn't he have to lean on his running game? Of course he does. I mean, you can argue that they don't have the personnel to do that, but uh, we had a question on message board. Why, or why not just change the offensive approach? You're, well, that's what people said on the worse. message board before the Alabama game, so they could lose by 190 instead of right. 100. I mean, but, but, what, yeah, you can do that. And you'll, it'll be worse. I mean, ideally, it would be great if Notre Dame would change a philosophy of trestle ball or 2012 offense, but I don't know what they can do that. We're talking about a preferred walk-on that I think should play more. Pete and I I argued if a preferred walk-on should play more. That's a bad sign. I mean, I think that even if Notre Dame was fully healthy, Marcus Freeman would still want to play this style of football. Um, That's a different conversation than if they have to play it right now, which I think they have to play it right now. They do not have another choice. Um, But that's the, that other conversation is probably a good podcast discussion in February. Um, Right now. It's just like, this is like emergency battle stations time for Notre Dame. Like they, they, they could win the game seven to six on a defensive touchdown. They could play Iowa-style football on Saturday night and win. That would yeah. be totally fine. I want to clarify what I said about the 2020 team. So this, yeah, I, I don't know if this offensive line can play that style, but if Nordy was going into this game with Eichenberg and Patterson and Banks and Hainsey and Kramer and all those guys that were in there, I would say USC better get ready because they are going to get hit. Like Notre Dame would go out with those five guys and hit USC up front the whole game. I don't know if this offensive line, I know this offensive line isn't as good as the 2020 line, but I, I don't know if they can go out and do that and survive, but they have to try. Yeah. And, you know, Pete, let, let's, let's real briefly talk about this. I mean, because it is part of a bigger question and that is how Marcus Freeman believes that Notre Dame will win present, not so much present, but in the future, I, I think that when he says offensive, defensive line driven team, he, that he speaks to that it, loud and clear. I do, does he have does he have a big enough picture viewpoint of how offensive football should be in twenty twenty three moving forward? I don't know. I, I don't. But it's like when he was looking for offensive coordinators last year, one candidate that 
he vetted at least was Sean Lewis, who went to Colorado. And what I was told is the reason that he just didn't think that was a match is because it was it was too much pass game. Right. Um, it wasn't enough committed to the run. So I, I think this style of football is how Marcus Freeman wants to play it. Um, you know, where where they've totally fallen apart this year is like there's no play action game whatsoever. Like if you're going to be a run first team and, and win at the line, you got to be able to hit it over the top. They no longer can hit it over the top. Can we can we finish off though with a micro conversation that Tobias Merriweather, Jordan Faison, Rico Flores injured Jaden Thomas, injured Jaden Greathouse, and converted Chris Tyree are not a team that's going to go out and throw the ball over and win games? Yeah, yeah not, not even close. Okay. No, and and in answer to the question about should should Freeman let the offensive coordinator run the show? Probably, if Andy Ludwig was your offensive coordinator. But yeah, I mean the head coach gets to decide, like, hey, I want to take five, six shots a game. Um, like that's the head coach will say something like that. And then the offensive coordinator gets to figure out what those five or six shot plays are. Um, so I don't think Freeman is constraining Parker or whoever, or Ludwig or whoever the OC could have been or is, or I, he, he, but he can set sort of the parameters of, Hey, I want to play the style of game. You, you tell me how, what calls you want to make. I think what Pete Sampson was saying is there's five or six shots dedicated to Faison coming up in this game. Yes. And Jacobs three. It was always said that Jared Parker looked good compared to last year because of Sam Hartman. I didn't know it was always said that way, but he, Sam Hartman helps. Did we overrate Hartman or is this a bigger concern for Parker? I mean, Hartman was going to help the coordinator this year compared uh, to Pine. How, how I'm is, cool with that. <laughs> Hartman's overrated. You mean the guy that had the 11 play 96 yard drive? to essentially beat Ohio State and the guy that led the 10-play 95-yard drive to beat Duke, we, we, get, we get amnesia every seven days. Every seven days we get amnesia. Did he That's play why I want to use that question, Priester. I hope we get to use the question later on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did, did Hartman play one of his better games last week? Absolutely not. But the entire team played one of their their worst collective game. I it, Sam Hartman's not overrated. He just he just led them to what should have been two victories against Ohio State and Duke. He was bad last week. Like we can say that out loud. Sam Hartman sure. was really sure. bad against Louisville. Um, I think some of this has to do with how good he was the first four games. His passer rating in the first four games would have crushed the all-time NCAA record if he did it for a whole season. Like crushed it. I think only three quarterbacks have finished with a passer rating better than 200 ever, and he was at 220 after four games. Unfortunately, the last three games, State, though, did it? What's that? Did it go much down? I mean, it went down from that, but Ohio State is passing yeah. fine, wasn't it? No, no, it wasn't. No, just too many throws. Too many throws. He's that... not pushed. Like passer rating involves like yards per, yards attempt, per and attempt and stuff. Sure. Fell off the table. His passer rating the last three games. If that was his entire season and you plugged it into this year's rankings, he would actually be one spot below Phil Dracovic. Phil well, Dracovic. Not- really good Phil Dracovic or Phil Dracovic? No, this year's Phil Dracovic. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it was the one that should have started at Notre Dame in 2019. No. He was no, because that, that player never existed, Tim. Oh, well, I thought and, he was good. Sorry. And yet, he led Notre Dame on an 11-play, 96-yard drive at the end of the Ohio State game and a 10-play, 95-yard drive at the end of the Duke game. So. At the end of the game, when the game was on the line, he came through. Uh, I don't think that he's overrated, but he didn't play well last week, and his numbers certainly have fallen off as the level – 
of competition has gone up. Question from need a turnover. Do you see the offensive line playing much better now that it shouldn't have to rely on a silent count? I hope that's not the reason they look bad. Uh, yeah, I, I doubt that that's the reason they look bad, but it would it will definitely be beneficial not to have to do the silent count this week. Yeah, because so. I mean, don't you feel like there's there's two issues here? They don't always know who to block, and then they don't physically do the blocking job yeah. when they do. Uh, um, I'm not sure which one is easier to fix. Well, obviously there was a silent count issue with Duke because of the yes, the yes. stuff, but yeah, they won't have to deal with that this week. Uh, question from E. Scheidler: What impact, if any, do you think the loss of Matt Bayless? is having on this team and the way the season has played out through seven games. I don't think it helped. Yeah. I, no, I, it's kind of hard to. It is hard. I mean, he was very good in no, the record of Notre Dame teams was very good in November with Matt Bayless. So if we're going to attribute that to a strength and conditioning coach, he had a heck of a run there undefeated in 18, five and zero in 19, although they lost the week before to Michigan which they did not look that strong uh, undefeated in 20 undefeated in 21 against awful, awful, awful football teams and three and one in 2022 losing to Caleb Williams. That's really good job. 17. They were two and I like to point out 17. They were two and two. They got shredded by Miami and then got beat pretty good by Stanford. Well, it's so, I mean, once you get in in season, it's mainly maintenance, and they haven't had a bye week. So, I mean, it's been mainly maintenance week to week. Does Fred Hale not know how to run the the program that Matt Bayless had once the season started? I find that a little hard to believe. I, 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 I just, I, it's not something that I would point to and say, Oh, they don't have Matt Bayless, so now they're not as yeah. strong during the season. Right. I, I, would, I don't think that's the case, but like apples to apples, if nobody loses its head coach, do you think that the assistant coach that steps up should be able to run the team as well as the head coach does? I know uh, it's not apples, not that, apples to apples. I know there's a lot more going on, but encompasses so much more. But I think it's fair to give the side eye to that operation when 50% of your receivers have hamstring injuries. I was just going to bring that up. The hamstring issues, that is significant and that can happen to anybody, but there also could be a cause and effect there. Yeah. But it's like Notre Dame, when it doesn't happen, Notre Dame will tell you how good their strength and conditioning program (laughs) is. Yeah, that's that's true. That's also, also fair is if 50% of four is easier to attain than 50% of 10. And most people have 10 (laughs) receivers, not four. So we you know, yeah, two issues two guys get a hamstring pull. Oh, 50% of the guys are hurt. Well, of course they are. We don't have any, there's no players on the team. So that's, that's an issue. Ugh. Yeah. The great house Thomas and apparently Merriweather, at least to some degree have been, have been fighting hamstring uh, issues. I'm glad you brought that up, Pete. Um, Colsey's a knee. Colsey's a knee. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, so yeah. like Salerno happens like it's football. Yeah, it's, you're, you're in a car crash every play. Um, but the, ha- the hamstring is soft tissue injuries. Those are ones where I think as a training staff, you're one of your jobs is to like, all right, how do we minimize this? And like, no doubt. they've got hit bad. No doubt. Next question from KJ Mills time. Aside from Jalen Sneed, at what point this season do we start to see some of the underclassmen linebackers getting quality game reps? And I am going to duck while you guys answer the question. Yeah. And I'm going to duck while I let uh, Samson talk first here. <laughs> oh, man. I almost just 
exited the Zoom meeting. Um, I Bertrand, Kaiser, Leofau are Notre Dame's best three linebackers by a wide, wide margin. I'm not saying Notre Dame is starting Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary, and Ray Lewis out there. They're definitely not, by the way. I could I could actually talk for that too from Washington. They are very, very good college players who make the defense go. Um, the younger linebackers are not close. If they were, they would be playing. What what did we just talk about on the offensive line? They're rotating guards for performance issues. If there were performance issues at linebacker, they would rotate. There are not. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that one, the starters are good, even if people don't want to admit it. And two, the backups are not close to being at the same level as the starters. I would like to see some of these guys play more when Notre Dame's up 35 points, but that just has not happened. Yeah, I think everybody feels good about Drake Bowen and, and Jay Nosberry, especially as, as linebackers moving forward. But you don't you don't start playing for next year with six games to go. You don't do that to a team. You will totally you will lose. I, imagine if 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 Kaiser and Bertrand and Leafa, Bertrand especially, I think that's probably that's usually the the focus for people that want changes at linebacker. You sit, you sit Bertrand, a healthy Bertrand. Do you know what's going to happen to your defense? Your number 15 scoring defense in the country. It's not going to be good. I don't understand where this is coming from. Somebody said also said, now's the time to play Jalen Sneed more. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because he's because he's not tune into what they're doing defensively well enough to run him out there. This is, this is low level comp football conversation. That's what this is. Low level football conversation. Uh, um, I thought you were going to say, do you know, you're going to lose the team if you started playing backups. I said, you're also going to lose football games if you start playing your backup right. defensive lineman. So, right. you know, I, Jay Nosberry was one of my highest rated um, freshmen coming in. And I know I had Bowen in the top nine. I don't want to, I couldn't find it somehow in my files just now. I think Osbury was number two behind Jeremiah Love. And I'm going to pat myself on the back right now, as far as I can. Jeremiah Love was the first one. And Osbury is number two. And you know, the best thing they have going for him right now for Notre Dame fans and for me and you is we don't know that they're not good yet enough to play. Throw yeah, them in there 100%. and find out. Like when Niles Morgan went running in there and the, he was running left and right and they were going for Northwestern's running backs were going for 60 yards at a pop. I can't believe these questions get asked every year. But one thing we really know is that you should always put in the underperforming freshman wide receiver every year because he's the key to your offense. That's why I want oh. Jordan face. I'm just kidding. No, but yeah, you know, seriously, this is what people complain about every year. You don't know the freshmen aren't good yet. That's why you want them to play. They're yeah. not going to be great either right away. Bra Braylon James is another to speak to what you're talking about receiver. And, and I love Osbury. I think Osbury's a fantastic. Yeah, no, I do too. Drake Bowen's going to be good too, but you're not playing those guys now. You're not playing Braylon James right now because virtually every day on the practice field, he proves he's not ready. So what would you like? What, what do you expect to happen when you put him in a game situation? If you want to get, if you want to get Marcus Freeman fired prematurely, Go ahead and play play all these guys, and then you then you can have another coaching transition. It's a smaller sample size, but Jalen Sneed leads the team in missed tackle percentage. It's not totally fair to Jalen Sneed because he gets fewer opportunities to make a tackle than Leofau, Bertrand, and Kaiser do. Uh, Kaiser is the lowest by far, and he has been for four years. 
uh, also gets fewer opportunities than J.D. Bertrand does, but that's a story for another day. Uh, yeah. So literally, so Snead is in a role where it works out well. Somebody asked if Jalen Snead could play more in a press conference, right? Just Monday. And Freeman said, we got to get him in that package. He's doing a great job rushing the passer, but we do not want him in there because I don't think he can stand there and hold up against the run. It was a direct quote from the coach on Monday. Yeah, it's true. Like if there was a linebacker question, I would be like, it would be like, why doesn't Jack Kaiser play more? Yes. I'm with that question. I can see he should play more. Uh, Statistics tell us he should. That has yeah. been your question, T.O. It has been. It's Multiple in- times. Question from Play Like a Champ 7. Do you think Notre Dame tries to implement a game plan that aims at controlling the clock and limiting USC's offensive possessions? I 99% think they're going to try that game plan. I, it's actually 100%. <laughs> I mean, I knew. <laughs> but now Priester has to jump okay, in. So it's 99.5. It's 99.5. Take an average. No, it's 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 how you win. It's it's how you win. If you don't like you don't like the way it is, I, I get that, but it gives you the best chance to to win I, this game. I like that Priester just averaged our answers and made it 99.5. That was good. Yeah, 9900 okay. is technically so Priester's going 99.5 on average. Yep. This is the that's yeah. what they're doing though. That is exactly what they're doing. Yep, yep. Irish HDL Jordan Faison showed well in the spring and summer camps. He wasn't used until game seven. On the first pass, he gained a first down. On the second pass to him, he scored a touchdown. He wasn't target, uh, targeted again the rest of the game. Why? I would have targeted Jordan Faison on some third downs. Or not targeted him. I would have played Jordan Faison on some third downs, for sure. Your receivers aren't good enough to keep Jordan Faison off the field when he's the guy that made two plays in the game. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just don't know how much he knew of the game plan. Um, Probably you know, not can a you ton, just, but... Yeah, can you just be like, hey, go out there and run this route? I, It's he probably a lot it, more complicated himself, than that. He himself made it sound like he did not have a playbook issue. I don't know if you were... Yeah, he yeah, said was there he's fine. That doesn't mean it's true, though. But he no, said, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, did he, does he know half of it? Does he know 80% of it? I, I have no idea. Um you know, but this week, after getting some real reps, I would think that, all right, full, you've got the full menu here with Jordan Faison um, in a way that you you probably didn't like. And like, I, I don't know. It's like last week, I, I can understand the coach's reluctance to putting him on the field because of everything that that represented. Um, like, this is a one of the 85 scholarships, just like there was there was a lot there. And also, like, look, Jordan Faison, is he gonna? Is he gonna? Can he block somebody? Like, I, no, I know we don't. But third really and eleven, third and eleven, and fourth and eleven. He's not asked to block somebody. That was yeah, my whole. That's point. fair. Yeah, that was my. That's whole a point. fair point. I, I do want to throw in because Pete is like this in the past that they are not taking out Scotty Pippen for Jordan Faison here, right? They're not. They're not. We're going to wrap up with a question from zombie by blood. Then we'll have our predictions. And the question is with the playoffs out of the picture, what do you think a win Saturday would mean for the program? I could go off on a huge tangent about this. Cause it's a question I want to include. <laughs> I think people forget that Notre Dame was five at three losses at three losses when they beat Clemson 10 and 0 undefeated Clemson. And it was the most fun Notre Dame fans had had since 2020 when they beat undefeated Clemson. It is a big deal to play college football games like this one. And they are in the unfortunate situation from a fan perspective. This happened really fast of having to beat USC. 
they have to they, they kind of have to beat USC right now. Three out of four losses, including Louisville, going to the bye week is a rough yeah, you spot don't, like, for Notre Dame. To, to salvage the regular season, you have to win the rest of the games. I mean, it's just you have to win the rest of your games. I, I feel mean, like they could split USC and Clemson, and in De- on December 1st, we'd be like, okay, like the season was maybe not fulfilling, but they did some good things. But in real time, if they lose on Saturday, even yeah. if they won the last four, right? If they won the last enough. four and won a bowl game, it's not good. It, it's going to be a rough two weeks. I think USC supersedes Clemson quite a bit right now, including including December 1st, although I get your point that when you look back and say nine and three, is fine. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, USC yeah, yeah. Clemson has two losses, and and yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim, I'm sorry. We want to do. You wanted me to slip a question in here from uh, W Carry 14, and why don't you two guys answer uh, this question? Uh, Nordin wins close if. Yeah, and I, I want to answer it in real world times. If they do control the line of scrimmage offensively, bleed some clock, keep Caleb Williams off the field and can run the ball so they can use play action pass with Sam Hartman. It sounds as antiquated as it sounds, but that's exactly what Nordheim's going to try to do. So that's the way they can win close. Pete Sampson, Nordheim wins close if? Uh, they win the turnover battle. Um, I realize that sounds like cliche analysis, but since when I was, as I've pondered the Louisville game more, I was like, well, wait a minute. There were minus four? Like, how often are you winning a game if you're minus four? Yeah. So I looked it up. Uh, in FBS versus FBS games since 2019 teams that were minus four went six and 117. And I'm sure you could say like, well, wait a minute, Hartman threw a pick at the end of the game. Does that really count? So really like they were minus three. Well, teams that were minus three went 37 and 303 and teams that were even minus two, 142 and 573. They won 20% of the time. Like a, a plus or minus, if you're a plus two in turnover margins, you win 80% of the time. And Notre Dame was minus four, which like turnover on down should be a turnover. I'm going to like, when I retire from yeah. this, I'm just yeah. going to take that to the NCAA and like change the stats. But like, really, they were, Notre Dame was minus six in the game. You're right about turnover on downs, or they should have something like if you turn the ball over on your side of the 50 compared to turnover on downs yeah. when you don't go for a field goal and stuff like that. That's All crazy. Right. Tim O'Malley, Nordin wins comfortably if... No, now I'm jumping to Pete Sampson's thing. If they win the turnover battle by a lot. They are not beating USC comfortably playing regular football right now. They are not keeping Caleb Williams out for four quarters if they don't win the turnover battle by a bunch. Yeah, I... I feel like my answer to this is what your answer to the first one is like the offensive line, like gets its stuff together. Um, Cause I, if it does, could you have an out of body experience and this game looks like 2017 that would not, well, that would surprise me. I think that is within the realm of possibility. If the offensive line gets its stuff together this week. And uh, Tim O'Malley, Southern Cal wins a close game. If, uh, I think they win a close game if both teams go out and play their best. Okay. Pete? Yeah, it's um I think USC is a little bit better because their quarterback is better. Um I still the way Notre Dame, I understand what they were trying to do against USC last year, defending Caleb Williams, the runner. They just didn't do it properly. Like they didn't try to get behind Caleb Williams, they just did. Um so 
you know, if, if you can repurpose some of the discipline you showed against Riley Leonard and Brendan Armstrong, then, then I think that, that can make a slight difference enough to win the game. Yeah, They, they didn't try to get behind Caleb Williams, but I mean, they played it in such a manner that that's exactly what was going to happen because yeah. he's going to step up and you just, you can't play the chase Caleb Williams game. You, he's got to be coming at you. It can't mm-hmm. be. And, and you know, when you see him get sacked, like any quarterback, if you have him surrounded in the pocket, if you stay in your lanes and you surround him, he won't get away. But if you approach it like they did last year, which they absolutely won't, I mean, you can say they didn't mean to get behind him, but they did. Well, then you, in this instance, you have to make a concerted effort not to, to rush on the outside and get behind him. I think an interesting aspect of this game is that Caleb Williams is destroying the blitz, but that when Caleb Williams is pressured, he's having problems. It sounds like you're defeating the purpose here. He is killing blitzes, but when he's pressured without a blitz, right, he is struggling. Can Notre Dame put any pressure on anybody without blitzing? No. Well, that's a problem. Uh, and then Southern Cal wins comfortably if we we can – how many different things can we name there? There's well, Number one is the offensive line plays anywhere yeah. near it did the last eight quarters. Yeah. I you know uh, I, I would say yeah, if Mar- if Marshawn Lynch if if he it, if Marshawn Lynch if Marshawn I'm gonna that won't be, the be last terrible time. if he plays yeah. they're gonna get killed Marshawn Lloyd <laughs> if Marshawn yeah. <laughs> it's bad enough with Marshawn Lloyd um, uh, if he if he has a bit if he has the kind of game that Austin uh, Jones had last year then it'll be the spread will probably be it'll be more than what last year was because you know Nordame doesn't have Nordame doesn't have Drew Pine to throw the football against USC. By the way, I did see this it's true it's in not- watching film of USC this week, I saw Drew Pine catch a pass against USC. Huh. He caught a pass against USC. So How about that? to put this in context for Jack and Pete and everybody listening, we had received a note about uh <laughs> about a college football player that smokes too much weed, like he's a really good college football player. And right after that, Tim Priester goes, I just saw Drew Pine catch a pass from USC. I was like, I don't know if you should be uh, partaking in that, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Watch <you're> watching video. <laughs> uh, I, swear, I, I swear I saw it. My answer to this one, I don't, and I don't know if Zachariah Branch is going to play in the game, but if Bryce McPherson hits a line drive punt and Zachariah Branch catches it, yeah. I could see Notre Dame losing by a yeah. lot. Yeah, he did not. He did not play. He has not played the last couple of weeks. Zachariah. Correct. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, you want to, I, I, I've talked about this for weeks. Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, who is the best of the group, Mario Williams, Zachariah Branch, Dorian Singer can't get on the damn field. They can't, he can't get targeted hardly. He's like Faison. He can't get out there. There's no. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Kyron Hudson's a guy that's new to the equation. Michael Jackson, the third, is still there. Deuce Robinson's a freshman. I think he's been a little banged up. The depth of their wide receiver core is, is really absurd. All right, enough about that. It is time for uh, what I think is probably one of the most difficult predictions, uh, will be the most difficult prediction of the year. Yeah, I could see Notre Dame losing by 20. Um, I could see Notre Dame winning by 20. I I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen on Saturday night. Um, So I'm going to err on the side of Las Vegas and say Notre Dame wins 28 25 um i just 
I just don't know. Um, I, I, I think it may be a, a long time before we watch Notre Dame football and feel like we know what's going to happen again. Um, I, I think the rest of the season could feel very random um, on a week by week basis. Pretty sure this is your saying, but I'm going to steal it. Like it's not a 12 game season. It's 12, one game seasons. I think Notre Dame feels as much as I can remember recently. I feel like Notre Dame is playing 12, one game seasons this year. Uh, and what, happens one week doesn't necessarily predict what's going to happen the next week, good or bad. Um, so when in doubt, go with Vegas, Notre Dame 28, USC 25. I can't see Notre Dame winning by 20. Um, even like in that, that Clemson scenario last year was, you know, block punt, interception, touchdown, uh, interception at the 10 yard line, and then great offensive line. That is the path to winning by 20. Correct. That yeah. it's the exact same path of winning by 20 is what they did to Clemson last year when I thought they would beat Clemson, but nothing like that. Um, I, I don't think USC will win by 20. I think Notre Dame is going to play very good football. I can't, I'm going against Vegas. I can't see them pulling it out when one side has Caleb Williams, unless everything goes perfectly for Notre Dame throughout, but also in the fourth quarter. So I am closer to the USC 34, Notre Dame 30. I am very confident Notre Dame will play well on defense, and it won't be enough because I, I still think USC's Edge rushers and Bird and Muhammad and Bear Alexander inside are going to make life difficult for Blake Fisher and the guards and Corral. I think Joe Alt's going to play great in this game because he was a victim of some circumstance last week, and Joe yeah. Alt's going to come to play, man. He um, might kill a guy. Until I see those four guys play, uh, I don't. I I know the USC has fundamental issues on defense, but they still have players. So I am I'm in the USC 34 Notre Dame 30 range. You know, I think the the thing that makes it the most problematic for me in in picking a victory, and I, I haven't decided that yet, but uh, Marshawn Lloyd and their ability to run the football, you know, um, yeah. he is so good, and and that's such a nice balance to what they can do offensively, and and where and and again talking about the style of attack that Notre Dame is probably going to choose to employ this week to, in order to get a victory, uh, you know, uh, USC's defense would really have to collapse for Notre Dame to score in the, I mean, Notre Dame, I don't think 28 gets it done. Uh, I, I think it would have to be in the thirties. And, and I have, and right now I, I'm just not sure that, that they can get there. I think they play way better than they did last week, but I completely uh, agree. They'll play way better yeah. than last week and yeah. they better. They better and but the, the and the one flip side and then I'll wrap it up with this. Um, USC is very fortunate to be undefeated right now. They they haven't been playing quality football. They they've they've been they've been really erratic and their tackling is just absolutely atrocious. So uh, tough game to predict. I will do that in Friday's preview. We ask you to check out uh, irisillustrated.com. If you're not a subscriber, we will have a pre and post game instant analysis. And then, of course, our uh, for this game, we will also have a pre-Irish Illustrated overtime and a post-game Irish Illustrated overtime. Until Saturday, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.